Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Wednesday, the 23rd of November. Australians are again being told to brace for more economic shocks and pressure amid higher inflation. The Reserve Bank Governor has issued a dire warning overnight about soaring inflation, supply chain issues and the ongoing cost of living crisis. Bringing inflation back down again once it becomes entrenched in people's expectations is very costly. And it almost certainly involves a recession, perhaps a severe recession. But Philip Lowe says the RBA board is committed to targets to try and ease the pressure of rising costs. So there is a reasonable basis to expect that inflation will come down over the next year and the year after that. Our central expectation is we'll be back close to 3% by the end of 2024. And we'll have more details on what these new predictions mean for the economy and interest rates coming up shortly in business and finance. To today's other news now, an Australian charity, the Smith family, has been the latest target of a cyber attack. The details of around 80,000 donors have reportedly been compromised, but the organisation has confirmed the hackers' attempts to steal money was unsuccessful as no expiry dates and CVV numbers were available on their system. Meantime, a top private school in Melbourne has also been the target of a data hack. Xavier College has confirmed the breach took place in June and a number of private details of students were compromised. It comes as experts express concern the Medibank data hack could be discouraging Australians from seeking mental health support. Last month's cyber attack led to the leak of personal and sensitive medical details of many customers. Here's SANE CEO Rachel Green. We know that one in five Australians experience a mental health issue in any given year and over 50% of the people with mental health issues don't actually seek help for it because they're worried about how they'll be treated and how they'll be perceived. And I'm really concerned that this growing trend of data leaks actually stops even more people from seeking help. To Victoria now on the state's very heated election campaign is almost over with only three days to go before Victorians head to the polls. One of the biggest controversies was candidate for the Angry Victorians party, Catherine Cumming, who was accused of calling for Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews to be attacked. Our reporter James Lake says police were called in. They were, Tash, and Victoria Police has already wrapped up its investigation into the comments made about Dan Andrews last weekend. Catherine Cumming told a rally of supporters at Flinders Street Station that she wanted to turn Dan Andrews into red mist. Now, that was interpreted as being a reference to pink mist, which is a military term to describe when someone is shot. However, police say no offence has occurred and the matter isn't going to be taken any further. Meantime, Dan Andrews and Matthew Guy faced off last night in their first and only public debate of the campaign but left more than a quarter of voters in the audience undecided on who they'll back on Saturday. After the debate, which focused a lot around Victoria's finances and the state of the health system, a poll of voters in the marginal seat of Box Hill found 38% thought Andrews won and 34% are backing Matthew Guy. Nurses and midwives across New South Wales are again walking off the job, fighting for better paying conditions. It's the fourth time this year the frontline workers have taken industrial action. Meantime, in WA, nurses are also walking off the job later this week. Our reporter Adam Hemmings has more from Perth. 
Tash, more than 4,000 staff have voted overwhelmingly in an online ballot to reject the latest pay and patient ratio offer from the state government. Just over 700 voted in favour of the deal. Now they're planning to walk off the job at the end of the week. They'll rally outside state parliament and demand to hear from the health minister. We're not going to wait any longer. This government needs to know that we're not messing around. That's the Australian Nursing Federation's Janet Ray. The state government says it stands by its previous offer and it's urging the union to avoid action which could impact on patient safety. Overseas now and the death toll from the major earthquake that hit Indonesia continues to increase as the Australian government pledges support for the island nation. At least 268 people have now died, many of them children, since the 5.6 magnitude quake hit West Java on Monday afternoon local time. Rescuers are continuing to search for any survivors, but the country's disaster chief says there's still many areas they have not been able to access. We still have one area that's not been evacuated. The road is completely blocked by a landslide. That translation thanks to the ABC. Meantime, Australian authorities are still investigating if any Australians have been caught up in two other major earthquakes that hit the Solomon Islands yesterday. An initial magnitude 7 quake struck around 10.30 in the morning our time, which then triggered a tsunami warning, while a second magnitude 6 quake hit around half an hour later. There's been no confirmation of any fatalities as yet, with the PM saying Australia is ready to assist both Indonesia and the Solomon Islands after the devastating earthquakes. I just hope that uh, not just that all Australians are safe, I think that we hope that the impact of this devastating uh, earthquake is minimised and we stand ready to provide support. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, good morning. As we mentioned earlier, some serious economic predictions and warnings from the RBA boss overnight. Now, some critics may argue Mr Lowe got it wrong last time. So how worried should we be this time? Uh, Tash, good morning. Yeah, I think that's right. I think Phil Lowe was certainly, uh, well, look, the ABA got interest rates spectacularly wrong over the last couple of years. We all know that. I don't think they're on there, Pat Malone. Plenty of other people got them wrong too. But maybe that's exactly the point, that, you know, if you can't know what the future is going to hold, maybe providing predictions is not the best thing in the world. Um, look, I think this is a real challenge, though. He's not He's not wrong to at least flag the possibility. And I think what the RBA has learned is rather than saying exactly what will happen, let people know the sorts of things that are coming and the sorts of risks that exist and let them make their own decisions. But I think I think you're absolutely right. We should be concerned about the circumstances that we're going into. Turns out the last 20, 30, even 40 years have been a pretty benign time. Not much inflation, low rates, all that kind of stuff. It does seem like there is so much going on in the world right now. The next few years will be bumpier than most. And in light of that, Scott, very interesting that a new report has come out saying it takes more than 50% of income to service an average new mortgage in Sydney and more than 40% in four other national capitals. Man, it's brutal, isn't it? This, this is just a, a really tough story for those people taking out a mortgage. In fact, I mean, they, they know what's going on right now. Nationally, a new mortgage costs 43.3% of the average income. That compares, by the way, to about a third of income on rent. 
Um, these are remarkably huge numbers. By the way, if you have a choice, go to Darwin. Only 21% of the average income for a new mortgage up in Darwin. But as you say, 50% in Sydney, 45% in Hobart, and in the 40s for uh, Adelaide, Melbourne, and Brisbane as well. Um, these are new mortgages, not the average mortgage, so it's worth pointing that out. But we've talked for such a long time about young people being able to get onto the property ladder um, as hopefully house prices went down, at least hopefully for them. The problem, of course, is that's happened at the same time rates have gone up and that's making affordably, affordability even more expensive than it was. Yeah, look, we need some good news. They're still super <laughs> expensive, Scott, but it looks yeah. like electric vehicles are set to become a little cheaper after the Senate crossbench agreed to a deal yesterday. Yeah, I think I, I want good news. I, I'm going to be a little bit... Uh, I'm going to sit on the fence on this one, Dutch. Look, yes, it is going to be good news for Australians who want and can afford to buy an EV, an electric vehicle, about $2,000 off the average price. So that's good news. So that cost the budget $4.5 billion, by the way. I'm not entirely sure someone buying a brand new Tesla for 80 grand needs two grand kick in from the taxpayer to help them make that decision. I'm all for EVs. I'm all for renewables. We should take up as many EVs as we can as quickly as possible. Whether the average taxpayer should be funding someone else's Tesla purchase, I'm not entirely sure that's the best uh, tax policy overall. But let's take the good news side of this. Let's say absolutely, hopefully it means a few more people in electric vehicles and hopefully a few less emissions on our roads as well. Yeah, well said indeed. They're just unaffordable for so many people. So if we want to go green, we have to make them more affordable. Scott, thanks so much. You know it. Thanks, Tash. Time for Sport Now with Josh Conway. And Josh, the Socceroos have got their chance to make World Cup history this morning. They sure are, Tash. And good morning to you. The Socceroos are back on the world stage this morning. They've kicked off against France over in Qatar in the World Cup. Keep an eye out for updates and reaction on the listener app throughout the day, of course. And it certainly is a monumental task ahead for the side up against the European superpower. But let's hope we can show some of that famous Aussie grit. Now, in other results overnight, a stunning victory for Saudi Arabia. They defeated South American power Argentina. Two goals to one. They cancelled out an opener from the great Lionel Messi. And the best bit, the Saudi government, Tash, immediately declared a national public holiday because of the victory. Here is their winner. Raf had the shot. He's blocked. Oh, how about this? That is Al-Ghazari with a stunner. That audio thanks to SBS. And still on the world game, some breaking news. Manchester United has just announced this morning that they have terminated Cristiano Ronaldo's contract with immediate effect. That comes after the star goalscorer blasted the club in a recent interview. Yeah, Josh, always lots of controversy. And Australia has handed England a record-breaking defeat in their final one day or overnight. There's always something sweet about beating England and certainly in the fashion we did last night, thumping the visitors by 221 runs. That is England's biggest ever defeat in men's one-day cricket. It completed a series sweep for Australia, impressively too, despite England appearing to have one foot in the Qantas Lounge after their T20 title a couple of weeks ago. Twin centuries from David Warner and Travis Head was a masterclass, setting up our total of five for 355. Head receiving man of the match for his 152 off just 130 balls. Nice to contribute and, yeah, nice to be batting with Davey. Obviously, our partnership's been nice so far. It's, it's looked after us and hopefully many more to continue. Head on Fox Sports there. There was also another slice of history task, but not exactly one to be proud of. A crowd of over just 10,000 were in the stands to see the victory. The attendance was the lowest for a one-dayer involving Australia at the MCG since 1979. 
That's all the way back when World Series cricket finished up. And just finally, to the AFLW, Brisbane's Ali Anderson has been named the competition's best and fairest. She won overnight narrowly by just two votes over pre-count favourite Monique Conti from Richmond. Incredibly, Anderson didn't make the cut for the All-Australian team earlier in the night. And that is what is making news in a big sporting world, Tash. Certainly is, Josh. Thanks so much. And Teal will today be announced as Word of the Year by the Australian National Dictionary Centre. The word previously used to describe the colour that's not quite blue and not quite green is now more associated with an independent political candidate or a politician pushing for action on climate change. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's Morning Agenda in your podcast feed from 7am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode on a whole new world of audio by downloading the Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow. Listener.